start cranking it. Do 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 do. You need to vocally warm up before we. Yeah, there you go. Brown, how now, brown cow? <laughs> Opening the curtain on on your warm up techniques. Mhm, mm mhm. Mm Hello, everyone. Welcome to part one of four of full impact coverage of Evangelion 3.33. You cannot redo. I am your host, Nick, or Nicholas, if you feel so inclined. And with me, as always, my fellow co-host, the cantankerous Allison. Cantankerous? That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm not denying that sometimes I have cantankerous qualities, but hi, everybody. <laughs> By now, they you know, just watch this be someone's first time listening. And I like, know, oh, right? This bitch of a co-host over here. <laughs> if cantankerous is how we're starting the episode, I can't imagine where this is going to go. Um, but as I just mentioned, this is part one of four of our coverage of this movie. We're breaking up into four bits, each one about 25 minutes long. The movie's roughly 100 minutes, so they're pretty equal, um, just because there's so much new stuff. And um, we do indeed have personal lives outside of the podcast, so I can't take up all my time. Chit -chat. Some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to make uh, a quick note disclaimer um, to our listeners out there that are uh, watching the series maybe for the first time and you know you're just getting your hands on these Blu-rays which I've been told only get the Blu-ray and um, for I, I being that you know I, I want to be informed when I show up to our podcast um, I did something I don't usually do and I went through the Blu-ray and I looked at the little booklet inside and boy was I glad that I did it. So, um, if you are new to this series, <laughs> Nick has his on the ready, which I doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but it also kind of reminded me of what it used to be like when you'd get a new CD and you'd open it up and you'd see all the lyrics and the artwork and all that stuff. So, you know, obviously you're, you're watching these movies, I would imagine on some sort of Blu-ray ish type thing um so definitely check that I think it's out it's called a blu-ray player <laughs> well whatever <laughs> whatever the kids are using these days what i'm my point is look at the art check the booklet out there's a lot of helpful information in there number one and there's a lot of cool art in there number two so do yourself a favor give it a look true that thank you for okay. the walk down memory lane <laughs> I mean, I, I recognize that, you know, this is this is not, you know, a show that everybody is going to be for everybody. I recognize that. But I think that if you are getting into it, you might as well get all into it and all up in its grill. That's right. That's right. So. All right. Let's let's kick it off here. Right. Space. The great <laughs> unknown. <laughs> yeah, no. definitely. But definitely we... Uh, start off in space. Uh, we start zooming in onto this um, rocket booster looking thing. And, you know, gosh darn it, wouldn't you know it? That's exactly what it is a rocket yep. booster. Yep. Because they use phrases like burning the engines, jettisoning, mm -hmm. you know, words that you would 
think would be associated with space. Yep, and there's like parts breaking off, and they have boosters and adjustments being made. Um, you know, like you know, real life rocket ships would do to adjust for orbits and gravity and all that. You know, all that jazz. sciencey shit. All that jazz. <laughs> Um, but we don't know what exactly, well, obviously, you know, hopping right into this, we don't know why we're in space. This is the first time we've been in space. Um, we don't know what we're looking at. We don't know what the objective is. Um, but we can hear Mari singing and Asuka, um, is flying said rocket booster inside of this like little cocoon looking thing. Mechanical I would, cocoon. I would, I would say that's an accurate description. Um, and they seem to be closing in on this giant 3D cross-shaped prism thing. Um, so, like, think of a cross, like a Christian cross, but make it so that if you turned it, it would still be a cross, so it's 3D. It's got sticking out both ways, you know? Pretty cool. Still sticking with the Christian <laughs> symbols. <laughs> yeah, we're still not being subtle about that. No. <laughs> and Asuka is approaching said thing, and she gets met with automated defense systems pattern blue, which we all know is pattern for angels, which is not good. Warning, warning. Yep, yep, yep. And we got Mari... Way, way, way in the back, also in a little pod thing, and she is playing backup and sniping fools. Yeah. I, uh, a couple things. Uh, one, I want to start off by saying I, I feel really excited to be doing um, this movie just because we're going to get into a lot of new content, um, some new characters, some new themes, some new stuff. Um, obviously, you know, starting off in space, we're in a new place. So we've been living a lot of this series on the ground and somewhat underground um, and in the air, but not space so much, maybe a few times. So this is kind of new territory for us. Um, the other new thing is, is the ladies working together in a tag team mission. We haven't seen these two together yet which is interesting so we know that asuka potentially is okay <laughs> and that mari's still around so yeah asuka's okay minus her eye <laughs> which now has an eye patch gives her a little street cred <laughs> i kind of like it she looks tough yeah so they definitely in her her suit looks like bandaged up yeah, like, sewn like, together, pieced together, yeah. Yeah, like, it reminds me of um, the Rebellion in Star Wars, how, like, their equipment was always, like, not secondhand, but kind of runny used. and used, yeah, and, like, not brand new and... Functioning. Gotta duct tape it together so it works. <laughs> I'd say that's accurate. So they're approaching this 3D cross thing. Um, they have a couple little drone type things that pop out, and they have to eliminate those. Um, those are the things that they refer to as the automated defense systems um, pattern blue. Um, and they approach the object, the big cross thing, and they are trying to decelerate it. Um, basically, Asuka 
lassos herself onto that thing, and then using the boosters that are attached to Unit 2, um, blasts the hell out into space and slows that trucker down. Yeah, she kind of did, like, a slingshot move and, like, used its energy against it. It was pretty cool. Like, there's a lot of intense battle scenes and and moving parts in this movie, and it's so well animated and such a change from what we're used to that it's really interesting to watch. So some of my notes get a little spotty because I was so engaged in what was happening that I was like, oh, wait Mm -hmm. a minute. (laughs) Um, And just as, you know, they think that they've secured the object... Um, more defense systems pop out, and this one is got, like, lots of bands or, like, wiring, um, kind of like, what is it? Is it the 13th Angel? What's the one? Zerul? The one we saw in the last movie with the arms that are, like, ribbons? They look like Mm -hmm. a bunch of ribbons, kind of. Um, and they're going in a big circle around the 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 cross-shaped object and unit two that reminds me of um the angel that ray goes against in episode 23 which is Mm -hmm. like the halo one you know Mm -hmm. that uh kind of made me think of that um and it's like this um there's like a ring of light that it creates and it has like a little I think what they they call it like a cube core or something like that, or in the show or in yeah, Hi. it's like the little box that like runs along all the ribbons that the oh yeah no I know what you're talking about it's I don't like know. it's like a core but it, yes. it's like mobile and it runs along the ribbons as though the ribbons were like a racetrack so it's very fast right and Oscar's trying to shoot it out. Um, and can't get it because it's moving too fast. Um, and, and it Asuka, leaves, like, these crazy trails behind it, too, right? Isn't it, like, the, these iridescent, like... It's very distracting-looking because there's a lot happening. Oh, there. yeah, and there's so many coils of ribbon. Yes. It's, like, all over the place. Yeah. And in her frustration, Asuka beckons Shinji, or idiot Shinji, <laughs> to do something. And at that very moment a purple laser bursts out of the cross um just tears those ribbons in the shreds and then tracks down the mobile core and takes that fucker out too mm-hmm. now it should also be noted that doesn't the new girl like peace out on Asuka like all this is going on and she's like well I don't really have enough power so I'll see you back on earth or whatever like He's just kind of out of it, right? Yeah, I'm, I I took it as she's, like, out of, like, just too far away. And that her gun, like, wouldn't reach. I don't know. The way she said it, it kind of sound, sounded to me like, Peace out, sister. See you later. Because <laughs> I, I thought that they their plan was they wouldn't have this um, defense system to deal with. So they didn't plan for her having to, like, stick around as long. And she doesn't have, like, anything boosting her or anything. But it does seem like she's just like, ah, nope. Already punched out for sister. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but after the laser shoots out, you can see there's a crack that it shot out of in the cross. 
and it looks like a unit one's eye chilling in there. Sure do. Ooh. And then shortly after that, Asuka and said cross object re-enters the atmosphere. And we get a little shot of Mr. Casanova Kaura, who says, I've been waiting for you, Shinji Yukari. Ooh, shivers. <laughs> Goosebumps. And that's that's the opening scene for the third film. Yeah, and, and when um, when it falls back down, it's almost like a, it looks kind of like a shooting star, but in the opposite direction. Like, I don't know, it was really cool how they did it. And then, you know, Casanova just with his beautiful profile and his wonderful color scheme is just standing there waiting. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I mean, right... Or probably like five, eight minutes in, and we already have. There's so many questions. Like, why are we, why are we in space? When did we get space technology? Why is Shinji inside this giant cross? Because last time we saw him, he was on Earth. He had just gotten uh, impaled by <laughs> Kara's spear. Mm-hmm. And you know, we thought that, you know, save the world, and yet. Asuka has an eye patch. Shinji's inside of a giant metal box with Unit One, presumably. And uh, we don't really know what's what's happening. How did you get out there? Who put you in the the big cross thing? How'd you get in the box, man? How'd yeah. you get in the box? Uh, we may never know. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> but we pop back up. Now we're in some facility of sorts. Um, Shinji is in this like. It looks like a medical, like a gurney that encapsulates you, but it also kind of looks like a metal casket at the same time. So I coined this the terror tube. Okay. um, Because you are, it looks as though Shinji is literally strapped to a bed going in this like enclosed space, which seems like some sort of medical debriefing. And it's like shooting through this tube or they're in a tube shooting through this chute. It's literally one of my worst nightmares <laughs> to be in an underground tube, not able to move, freaking out. It reminds me of like an iron lung. Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally. So Shinji's in this weird, what is it? Death tube? Terror tube. Terror tube. Alliteration. Um, there's a strange looking cross symbol at the bottom of it. I couldn't, I mean, I could kind of make it out, but I don't recognize it. His feet are labeled. His feet are labeled BM-03, and his other foot says S. Akari, question mark, question mark. (laughs) So they're not quite sure if it's him or not. (laughs) And as he's being moved around this facility, he has armed guards with assault rifles um, Mm -hmm. pointed at him the entire time, as though this 14-year-old child is, you know, a threat to humanity at this very moment. Hence the terror. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, <laughs> where are we? <laughs> What's going on? Why are they pointing guns at Shinji? <laughs> yeah, why is he strapped to a bed? And who is this new character, Bandana? Yeah, who is this? you all these questions. Who's this new cutie on the block? <laughs> Watch out, Hikari. <laughs> <laughs> and she works in the terror tube, so... Yeah. Watch out. But she's very sweet. She's very nice. She is. She seems very nice. And she does, she's asking Shinji a lot of 
questions, right? Like trying to like orientate him or find out where he thinks he is or something. She's yeah, like kind of like trying to confirm that this body in front of them is in fact Shinji, mm-hmm. and not like a copy or something, and that he is aware that he's Shinji, and, you know, uh, self aware, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and they arrive in this big room that looks kind of like a command center of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like it, it's like inside a volcano, but it's got like these bubble windows. Yeah, it's like Doctor Evil designed this I, that's little where I was going. This little station. Yes. Um, and Chindi's greeted by just a series of very stern side eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No warm welcome at all. Yeah, and like in, initially, it seems like he's seeing a lot of faces he doesn't recognize. And then all of a sudden he sees, you know, uh, Miss M and Lab Coat, but they are like super cold to him. And it's it's strange for us to see. It's got to be very weird for him to experience. Yeah, and if we just want to talk about... Let's talk about Misato real quick. And, okay. And Ritsuko. I'll never say no to that. Their new getup oh. is so different. Okay. All right, hit, lay it on me. Let me know when I can start. Just go uh, ahead. Go ahead. All right. First of all, we're talking about Captain M now, not just Miss M. She's now a captain, so let's give her her due respect. Um, now, personally, I am a big fan of the power bun. I feel like her hair in that way just makes her a little bit more severe. I've been told that can happen when you <laughs> wear a bun such as that. So loving it. Loving Ritska, or I'm sorry, uh, lab coats, new fly cut. She's not even wearing a lab coat. No, nope, not even wearing the lab coat anymore. And she chopped off all of her hair into a cute little pixie. Love it. I'm loving the new looks on the ladies. I like Misato's look a lot. Yeah. I'm on the fence about Ritsuko's. But it's not a big deal for me. I, I I personally, I thought, like, you know, sometimes you need... From where we thought of her last, she was in kind of a dark place. So, you know, maybe she just chopped off her hair and she's reinventing herself. You know, ditch the lab coat, cut yeah, the hair. Nothing, nothing against it. Just... No, no, not at all. Sometimes it's freeing, you know? You just... I don't know, especially for females. So, Misato has her same color scheme, but instead of her jacket, she has this, like, it looks like a short trench coat slash peacoat thing um, with lots of buttons and very, you know, militarized. And she has a hat and she has these nice sunglasses that make her look very intimidating, along with her power bun, as you mentioned. Yep, they're wraparounds. Mm hmm. And then Ritsuko has, you know, she's buzzed her hair and she's wearing a green winter-esque coat um, sporting a blue bandana wrapped around her arm. And that's that's the looks yeah. for them right now. The looks. Um, and they talk about Shinji as though he's not there or a human. <laughs> um, and they start talking about this DSS choker which is a choker, <laughs> just like you would think. <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. Um, but we don't really know what it does, but it's attached to Shinji's neck. 
Um, so Shinji's now wearing a choker. He's very trendy. Um, but this this choker is less of a fashion statement and more of a collar. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Basically a way for them to keep track of Shinji, who is wearing a gray hospital gown featuring trendy choker <laughs> yeah. and gray Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say on the look list, he's, like, way down at the bottom. <laughs> I think he's rocking this, like, fresh out of a hospital, comfortable croc featuring never not fashionable choker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, some pe- he can pull it off. Not many people could. No. But he no longer has his, you know, classic black pants, white shirt with blue undershirt. Sad day. Yeah, everybody's changing their looks up for the 3.33. Also, she pulled off... I'm talking about Asuka here. She pulled off her helmet, because she had a helmet when she first started. And her helmet looks like a a mix between, like, a bug and a cat. It has, like, little ear things Mm -hmm. that makes it almost look like cat ears, which you look at it head on. Um, And also bug-like. Actually, it looks like... They have to wear the little things on their ears when they're inside the Ava, right? But they're just more pronounced on the helmet. Yeah, because she rips up that helmet so she can see better. And if you want an idea of what the helmet looks like, think of if Asuka and Daft Punk designed a helmet together. (laughs) That's what it would look like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's an excellent description. Um... So, yeah. And so that's the greeting that Shinji gets. We don't really have a lot of information. We have a bunch of new characters that we see that we've never seen before. Um, we'll probably go over their names a couple times just because it's... I don't even know their names until I look them up. So I'm never going to call them by their names because no. I already have nicknames for Okay, them, cool. So. so let's just start off the top of the list here. Um, we already know one of them. His name is Shigeru Aoba. He's the one with the long hair. Although now he has a goatee as well. Um, but we know him from uh, before and from the TV series. What, do you have a... What was his nickname? I don't remember, to be honest. He um, also has a bandana around his arm. I wonder if that's a symbol. I, I want to say armband, um, but I thought that... I, because you said that he was in something else, I feel like I would have given him a name, but maybe... He played the bass, or played guitar in the TV series. Mm. I mean, he didn't have a lot of screen time, so maybe he didn't give him one. But anyways, long-haired dude from the old ones, Shigeru, also wearing armband. They're all wearing armbands, except for Misato, so this must be a symbol of something that they're associated with. We don't know what it is yet. Mm. We get our boy Makoto Heyuga, uh, Misato's protege. He's still around doing his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have Maya Abuki, uh, Ritsuko's squabbling, which is, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now. Mm, okay. Yep. You know what I meant. I, underling, I think, is what you meant. No, I like squabbling. <laughs> She could be squabbling with her underling. Squabbling sounds like a real word, and if you say it confidently enough, then everyone else will think that I'm right. All right. Uh, but Maya's a bit more stern than we've seen her before. She's yelling at these new kids. 
And they all seem young, like uh, Bandana on the Terror Tube and most of the armband peeps seem yeah. very young. Can young and inexperienced. Yeah, yeah, and kind of annoying, if you want my honest to get true. <laughs> then we have the older gentleman. He's bald, and he has a beard of sorts. I call oh. him goatee. Okay, goatee. But he, but Shigeru also has a goatee. Is his a goatee, though? Because he's got, like... Actually, you know what? It's side... more mutton chops than yeah, his goatee. Got... So he'll be chops. Chops, cool. His name is Koji... Takao. Notice I'm trying to pronounce it. Got it. Then we have the very pretty darker-skinned woman. Um, I don't remember what she's in charge of. I'm not sure. She's the one with the cleavage, right? Yes. Okay. Please tell me that's not her nickname. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm going to call her Button Down. Okay. I like her outfit. She's got I, style. I, I'm not dogging on her outfit at all. I, not at all. <laughs> I'm glad to see that in these troubling times that she's still, <laughs> you know, working it. Um, her name there. is Sumire Nagara. Or Sumir. Not sure which one. Button down. Button down. Then we have... Uh, he's got like a messy hair look like a teenager that just woke up his hair is all long and messy he looks like if anyone's familiar with either my hero academia or cowboy bebop he looks like a combination of deku and spike um but i don't even remember him doing a whole lot thus far anyways his name is hideki tama what's his nickname (laughs) got one no not yet oh my god not enough plot yet to get him a real nickname. I mean, a lot You're of the ones who do- came here guns a blazing <laughs> with nicknames. <laughs> only the ones I wrote down, and those are the only ones that count. I'll get them all. Don't worry. All right. Then we got the perky, pink-haired girl named Midori Kitakami. Lips. Okay. Gee, I wonder how you came up with that one. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is how I remember. Or Pinky, but... I did. I didn't like Pinky because that seems. But I don't know. Maybe it'll stick. Isn't that the but just her one lips. The, one of her the lips just, ghosts. Uh, yeah, Pinky. I believe it is. Um, but she just had a very much more pronounced mouth than the rest of the team and the rest of the animation. So lips, it is. Fair enough. Lips, it is, and that's the new, you know, ragtag vagabond team. The new lineup. Yep, starting lineup here. <laughs> Back to the film. Um, they're being approached by an enemy of sorts that they refer to as the Nemesis series, mm-hmm. um, which means nothing to us. They're just nope. spitting out random words. <laughs> yeah, because I have like three question marks. I'm like Nemesis series, what? what, what? <laughs> so Misato decides that the main objective at this point is to finish the engine outfitting for this place that they're at. We don't really know much about it. Um, and everyone else is to get into, you know, like battle stations. Um, and they do a lot of, you know, there's a large part of this portion of this segment is them powering up the engine. 
Um, and like using a lot of logistical terms and, you know, just get, I think to, to convey the sense of urgency and the sense of preparedness that's happening there. I think that's what this scene is supposed to be setting us up for. Now they do mention something. They say the N2 reactor is at 99%. And that made me confused because you know, we know the N2 bombs from the right. series. So I'm wondering if they're using the same sort of technology, um, but as a reactor, or mm-hmm. maybe this reusing it or something else. Anyways, Misato seems to be having trouble with her team because they're a bunch of newbies, a bunch of amateurs, and they don't know what they're doing. They don't even know yeah. what they're responsible for. Yeah, like, Lips is always like, ew, do I really have to do that? They're like, yeah, do your job, bitch. That's what I told you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they mention Unit 1, I believe. Mm-hmm. But we don't know where it is. We don't know anything about it. Um, and then this angel that's, like, approaching this Nemesis series, it's like a series of pillars of red light that are closing in on them. Essentially. Because um, they're in... They almost look like they were in, like, Antarctica-esque area. It's very cold. Yeah, and it, and it looks very, yeah, abyss-like. And yeah. everything is red and white, so it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to tell where they are, given that, you know, we don't have seasons anymore. And places mm-hmm. can change, but it seems like a very cold spot. Such and we were just things. in space, and now we're back. So there wasn't a real yeah so. for us. Yeah, I don't know. But Misato is damn cutthroat. She's throwing commands, and it's her way or the highway. <laughs> I love how it's. it seems to be the theme with all of these things, that going into every single one of these missions, there's 0% chance of it ever coming to fruition. Which goes a buzzkill every time. Uh, yes, and everyone... So, yeah, she's like, this is absolutely not going to work. And everybody's like, beep, 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 you know, and Misato's like, shut it down. I told you what to do, just do it. You gotta trust yeah. me. How many times do I have to pull off impossible odds for y'all exactly. to just listen to me? I don't think she's ever gotten into a situation where they're like, oh yeah, you're gonna do great. Yeah. <laughs> every Seriously. time, it's been a challenge. So. Like, There's literally 0% chance. Like, shut up, Risco. Misato can pull off miracles. <laughs> She's done it in the past, girl. Let her do her work her magic. She's a captain now, too, so... Damn it. Dang it. She's the ranking officer. That's right. Um, so, since their, like, regular ignition system is not up and running yet, they're going to have to manually ignite the engine using Evangelion Unit 2 improved. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love how they describe it that way. It's funny. Um, and there's a bit of a different different design for Unit 2. I mean, Unit 2 went through some, some shit beforehand. Um, and yeah, so, it needed some major reconstruction. Yeah, so the biggest thing is its arm. Its left arm seems to be interchangeable depending on what they need for it. It's not fixed. Like we know in the past, it started off with this uh, kind of this gun gun arm type thing um and then i think for this they give it like a a bulky 
roided out arm. Mm-hmm. Weird thing. Um, and then the other big difference is its face. Its face is kind of cut in half a little bit. Um, you have the regular unit two side being red and orange with the green eyes, but its jaw and the right side of its face is gray and like almost a black uh, metal color. Um, and it's kind of like superimposed on the old part. So it's again going with that like sort of rebellion, Star Wars rebellion thing where they're kind of just probably just like repairing it to the best of their ability and they don't they don't have special red number seven to paint it. So it's just Yeah, like, I, I feel like that's like <laughs> blown up or long gone or yeah. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, got- we got this dome, let's just weld it on there. It's good <laughs> yeah. to go. That part looks like it'll work. Just slap that on there. Yeah, good enough. So unit two improved. <laughs> um and Shinji's inside watching unit two go by the window and you just get reminded of how big the Avas are. Um, and how you know how big these machines are that these kids are controlling here. Yeah, it's kind of it's reminiscent to like the first couple episodes when Shinji's like standing on the platform, like face to face with the Ava, and you know he's minuscule in comparison. So yeah, it does it, it it shows you the enormity of these machines, and I think you know to see Shinji outside looking in or inside looking out, technically, um, to something that he's not a part of is, is something that we're not used to seeing either. Yeah, and you know, immediately following seeing Asuka in Unit 2, in, in this pretty you know dire situation that they're in now, Shinji, uh, and I think it's, it might be easy to look past this, but Shinji is eager to help for once. He wants to pilot. He wants to do something. He wants to help Asuka. How often has... Shinji willingly offered to help Asuka by piloting an Ava. <laughs> I mean, those things have, have yet to happen. So no wonder they were questioning whether or not <laughs> he was really who he said he was, especially if he's saying he actually wants to do this when he could barely make a decision prior to this. So, yeah, that's definitely something new. Yeah, and, you know, he's like, oh, I'll pilot unit one. I'll go help her. Um, don't you need me to pilot? And Ritsuko responds that there's no need for you to pilot in Ava. And, you know, as this is going on, their like little battle station thing is kind of uh, changing and getting tighter and shifting up this elevator thing. It's so cool. Like, I, I want to be on whatever they're on. It's just that there's, like, tiers, and they're all, they all have their, like, little pods, but they're all, it's mm-hmm. so freaking cool. Like little cubicles. Yes, yes. I would get to the top of that slow-moving elevator thing and be like, I forgot to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you're out on your pod and you're like, shit. <laughs> I'd have to have them... Bring it back down slowly, like your grandmother's chair that went down the staircase. (laughs) (laughs) Not ready yet, guys. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's alarms and warnings going off. I'll just be a minute. (laughs) Yeah, and just as Misato goes out of sight, um, Shinji asks her, um, you know, kind of in distress, you know, what, what do I do? What can I do? What do you need me to do? And Misato very bluntly and with no affection whatsoever says, from this moment on, you do nothing. Damn. 
That's cold. That's cold. And what's ironic is that previous to this, all Shinji wanted to do was nothing. And now he's being told he can't do anything, and it's a shock, and he doesn't understand it. So it's kind of all coming full circle for Shinji. Yeah, and I mean, we're here watching Misato, who, per the last end of the last film, thought of Shinji as like a son and cared for him deeply, and now she's pretty indifferent towards him. And, you know, what happened? Right. I mean, we don't know. I don't think at this point we know how much time has elapsed, but clearly everybody's life has changed a little bit. So you would think that she'd be happy to see him or have some sort of, you know, maternal yeah. reaction to seeing him again, but there's there's nothing there. And at this point, I mean, no one's even said anything about, like, nope. where how long it's been, what happened, why they're nope. mad at him, right? where he is. <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm. And this battle center, command center thing, when it gets up into position, it operates kind of like the inside of an Ava plug, in that they get to see everything around them, uh, much like the pilots do, um, which I think is a little hinty hint for some other stuff, but mm-hmm. something to think about there. Mm-hmm. Um. But now we transition. We're now with following Asuka in Unit 2. Improved. <laughs> um, she switches the arm for what she needs to do. She's got this spear, this like heated fire spear is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what she's going to use to fire the engine up. Meanwhile, the giant pillars of angel red light are connecting to each other and approaching and closing them. And they're in, they have a like a huge fleet of ships. Mm-hmm. And then they're Does on that this... look kind of like a grid almost? Or am yeah, I thinking? Okay. Like, yeah, and like the technology is like a bunch of huge like uh, a fleet of ships. What are they called? Where do you... the planes go on them? What are they called? Oh, uh, aircraft carrier. Yeah, there we go. That's what they look like. And then supposedly we're led to believe that Misato and the gang are on the big weird fucking looking ship in the middle and they have a bunch of giant tubes and machines and stuff all connect from these uh, ships into the big one in the center and that's supposedly what they're uh, trying to fire up here right um, so and again this... a lot of logistic things happening and reactors and you know pipelines and things that are like very you know strategic and how they have to power this thing up so it's it's pretty interesting and like I don't know it, it was very the, the graphics and the art, art in it is just crazy really dope it be crazy so this thing I think called a flywheel starts turning um, it's this big wheel thing that sticks out of the engine or whatever. Starts turning, eventually gets to 102%, which I guess is what they want. 1.21 gigawatts! Yep. <laughs> um, and you know, just as they get ready, as it's ready to go there, Asuka jams that damn spear right in there. Um, a little spark plug. Um, lights up the engine so it can start going. Um, she leaves the arm behind because she doesn't need that. This huge ass explosion happens. 
when they do it. But yeah. apparently everyone's okay. <laughs> it's just a lot of dust. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we get some mumbo jumbo, but some of that includes them turning on the AT field. But we're not in an Ava, so. So what now? What's up with that? Mm, what up with that? that? What's, what's up, up with that? that? <laughs> um, and as Misato gives the command for it to lift off along with that ship and all of the fleet, she refers to it as Wunder. So this giant Which ship. Which I love the name of. <laughs> so the name of the ship is Wunder. It's spelled Wunder. W-U-N-D-E-R. More German. Like the German. And as this thing starts flying, it's very hard to describe how this thing looks. But here we go. Uh, okay. Are go you, you want to go? Nope. Nope. All of you. Picture a colossal metal bird that has two heads. Mm-hmm. And the two heads are like big engines and also I think the end of them are weapons and then in between the two heads is where their little command center is and it's got like three large satellite dishes on it um the end of the wings look like wings they have like big blades that look like feathers um on the underside it has this very long coiling white ribbon-esque thing Mm -hmm. Um, which I can't even begin to explain the physics of or purpose, but it's a very, very intricate and unique. I, uh, I described it. Well, first of all, it's cool as fuck. Like the, like you described the ribbon part of the middle, it's kind of like almost like an abstract rib cage. Like you don't know how it works. Like it doesn't look like, you know, anything structured. It's very unstructured, but the way that it's just coiled, it's obvious that there's a purpose for it. Um, And I said, it looks kind of like a prehistoric bird, like something that would be like, you know, scaled down to its bare minimum and that's kind of what this looks like but it is so freaking cool and like it it it, you slowly see pieces and pieces and pieces but when you finally see the whole ship together it's it's like it's a beautiful moment it's massive it is huge giant flying metal bird um, that is now lifted off, and also it has formed two halos underneath it. And in case you haven't gotten here, this the rebuild films like their halos. Every, you get a halo, you get a halo, everybody, <laughs> everybody gets, a halo. gets a halo. Some people get two halos. <laughs> so the AT field, along with the entry plug thing, and these halos has characteristics similar to both an angel and an evangelion, but we obviously, it's a giant ship, so we don't really know what the deal is with it. Um, but they're ready to take this angel out here. And I guess the part that they're trying to get after, um, which is what I was trying to reference earlier, are the core blocks. Um, and basically the core blocks were camouflaged directly underneath them below the like water's surface. And so, and they've been attacked. So they have, they're like attached to them with these like long wires or something. Mm-hmm. And so they pull those suckers out and they start rotating 
so that they start spinning and then they just stop immediately and all the wires twirl around each other and then they light that shit up. Kind of like how Asuka used physics in the beginning of, of this part. You know, she kind of used it against itself. They did the same thing, used its own momentum to help blow it out of the sky. Yeah, and just back to the AT field. Who's making the AT field? Who's creating an AT field? Who? Whomst? <laughs> Again, not a word, but I like it. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously this series of events is much more played out in the film and very fun to watch, but, you know, it's, it's all action and there's not a lot for us to speculate on at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're just listening, I doubt anyone's just listening, but if you are just listening, you should... You know, maybe start a GoFundMe or something so we can get you the Blu-rays. <laughs> and if you're on the opposite end of that spectrum and you happen to have a lot of money, there's actually a Wunder little statue that they sell. So if y'all want to locate one of those, maybe I'll set up a P.O. box. <laughs> Donations accepted. <laughs> so they start flying off in their ship amidst the field of victory along with their entire fleet, which is floating with them, which is a cool trick. Yeah. Um, they're going to retrieve Unit 2 Improved. Um, I think the old dude, Mutton Chops, Chops, um, references Kaji. Yes, I think he does, yes. So this ragtag team apparently has had interactions with Kaji at least once before. So there's another little connection here. Nugget, nugget. They also refer to the ship as the God Slayer and the Ship of Hope. Wow. That seems kind of like an oxymoron, doesn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's those are quite the titles. Something. Wunder. The Wunder. God Slayer. Wunder. <laughs> ship of Hope. <laughs> and that's about where we end it. Um, it's just about at... 25 minutes a little bit before I think I ended it at 24 minutes 47 seconds if anyone's keeping track uh, but it's just as they fly off and I thought this is a big and very foreign couple intro scenes to this film because the other two movies have been fairly similar you know Yep. yeah we're, we were kind of just small variations of the same story and now we're going off into a totally new direction and it's going to be fun to cover Billy Joel might call it a minor variation (laughs) wow (laughs) I seem to recall getting absolutely blasted for my Billy Joel reference but I'll let it go I'll let it go Um, Since I don't think I mentioned it throughout this episode, and if you are interested in making the day of these two podcasters, you can always send us your comments, questions, anything that you'd like uh, to fullimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Next up in our feed will be part two of four, uh, covering, again, the third Rebuild movie, You Cannot Redo. Um... I hope that all of you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as we enjoy making it. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Allison, and with me is the discriminatingly charismatic Nick. (laughs) Just once. You gotta gotta pick one mean one. (laughs) 
<laughs> called you Cantankerous. Well, now I am. After Cantankerous, you better watch your ass. <laughs> I'm coming at you, ha! Uh, they don't use that word enough. No, it is an excellent word, except for when it's being used to describe you. Ow. I had, like, 20 episodes of being nice to you, so it's got to happen sometime. Okay, I'll have to pepper one in myself. All right, folks. Until next time. Until next time.